Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Georgina, great to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. And I was delighted to meet you there last week in Wexford and to hear that you have just launched the most recent version of Georgina Campbell's Guide for Ireland and the best of the best, obviously. This is something that you have been doing for many years. And although it's been Georgina Campbell's Guide from 1997, you were actually doing it for a few years before that under the Egon Rooney brand. Yes, that's right. It predates uh, by 10 years, a good 10 years. Uh, goes back, uh, yes, I was doing the, the Ireland editing uh, for Egon Rooney's guides when they had the Guide to Britain and Ireland. And they actually started an Ireland guide uh, in 1991. And uh, they then started the awards which preceded our awards. And in uh, 1997, um, unfortunately, the company uh, was discontinued, the, the whole of the publishing company. And so the Egon Rooney Guide to Ireland went. And I had obviously done a lot of work on it at that stage. I knew Ireland extremely well. And I had a feeling that if you let something like that go, within a year or so, the knowledge is gone. And so I decided to, to take it on myself. And so since 1997, it's been done under my own name, but in the same way, in the sense of being independent um, and you know, trying, trying always uh, to be thinking in terms of, of, the, uh, of the reader first and foremost. So, you know, it's not to be too pushed by the industry, but on the other hand, also to understand um, the challenges uh, the people in the industry face and so you know to, to be um, independent and and yet sympathetic in a sense you know to, to the challenges um, that people who are so dedicated put in so much work uh, put into their businesses so that's how it came about and I kept the uh, the awards going as well and in the early days it was an annual book you know so we we had the awards at Bourbier and also, although they were sponsors, they were very good about allowing us to keep our independence. They didn't push us in any way. Uh, and the same was true of Jemison as well. For some time, Jemison was a sponsor. And uh, we did the awards and we brought out the guide on the day of the awards each year. And everyone who came to the awards got a copy. And, you know, it was great in those days because everybody thought you know, a guide was a book. And then along came the internet and everything changed. And since then, of course, we haven't done it every year. So we do it every few years. But it must be a mammoth task to do it even every couple of years. And you mentioned the dedication of the, the hospitality owners, but I think you're due a lot of credit for your dedication and commitment to Ireland and developing such a brilliant guide that showcases so many fantastic places in the country. Well, I think it's perhaps a little bit the same as it is in the hospitality industry. It's a vocation. <laughs> it, it takes over your life and it's just it's just what you do. Um, but also th there's an interesting thing about the uh, the recent guide, this particular one, the new one. Uh, it was actually due to come out. It, we were working on it in 2019-20 uh, um, over that winter. And of course, we had just started it when the, the, the updates when the uh, pandemic struck. So this book is actually three years late <laughs> and uh, it's been quite a thing, you know, during the time when we were working on it, uh, we we had to keep going really because there was a huge amount of support for it at the beginning before everybody knew what was about to strike us. 
And, you know, people had literally bought into it. People had pre-ordered copies and a large number of copies. And uh, so I felt, you know, a, a real duty uh, to keep it going. There were many times, you know, lockdown, unlock, and so on. You know, it happened so often. I think we went through it about three times to try and get it up to date. There were, there were many times when it seemed, you know, perhaps not the best idea in the world. But, you know, when you know that there are people who actually want to see it at the end of the day, who want to see it, you know, succeed, and you know that people will miss it if they ordered it in 2019, 2020, and it's not there when it, you know, at the end of the pandemic. But, you know, we really have a duty to, to make this work. So we put our absolute best into it. And it must be hugely challenging then because of the changes in the industry, places that maybe reinvented themselves and other places who sadly had to close. Yes, that's very true. And this book is different from all of our others in that respect. Um, because we've always looked for longevity when we've made the selections for the book. Uh, in this case, it was absolutely impossible. You'd have no idea what might close tomorrow or what might completely reinvent itself tomorrow. So a few of, of the entries have already either changed or moved premises or sadly one or two have even closed. Um, and that has happened since we went to press. We stopped press twice. Uh, because very important places actually uh, closed, and so you know we we thought because because we could change it, we thought we better. Uh, but it reached a point we thought you can't you know this will go on forever. You can't keep stopping <laughs> stopping printing. Uh, so longevity is not possible to guarantee in this case. But on the other hand, everyone who has been selected for it. Um, has the potential for longevity and even if they're not in this book now they may pop up somewhere else uh, in a similar business or you know putting those skills into something some other endeavor so I wouldn't give up on any of them and the shape and size of this book is very important because it is known as the glove box bible so it is you know it is a weighty book but um it fits into the glove box in the car and i believe you met somebody in wexford last year who has one from many years ago that she keeps in her car yes that's true and in fact i do the same myself i've got a 2012 edition which was different from this because it included um the shops and producers as well uh, much shorter entries than this but it, it had everything that we had on the website at the time went into our 2012 edition and i still take it everywhere so i always have the 2012 one and then whatever is the newest one since because the ones since then have been the eat drink and stay so they are the, the restaurants the pubs, the hotels, the B&Bs and so on. And actually talking about B&Bs, we're seeing a lot of them disappear. And I think that's really sad. You know, I think it, we're, we're losing those uh, small establishments, um, the guest houses and the B&Bs. And when a great one closes, it would be very unusual if a new one comes in to replace it. And I think it's a great shame. And in fact, in this book, um, I look more closely at the three-star hotels because I think they're the nearest in the sense that we got uh, to those uh, guest houses and B&Bs because most of them are owner-run or a lot of them are family-run hotels that go back generations and there's a great sense of that continuity of hospitality and uh, so I think you know people might be surprised to see so many three-star hotels in this guide but that's the main reason I think we really need to treasure them and I hope not too many of them try and go up to the four star because four star is 
it's very crowded for starts or a massive support starts. Uh, but also because it's a different thing. Um, I think it is, you know, this this very personal uh, kind of hospitality that you get in the old fashioned three star. And I must say, I love them to bits. They're not perfect, but they're lovely. And you must have seen a huge change and a shift in trends since you started doing the guide back in the, the 80s or the 90s. Um, like, what were people looking for back then compared to now? How have tastes evolved and developed over the years? Well, I think in, in many cases, um, our audience, I think, that you know, the people who have used the guide all those years, are still in many cases looking for the same thing. You know, they're looking for that genuine hospitality. Um, they're looking for, you know, for independence. That doesn't mean that you don't have any of the big groups. There are certainly, and within the groups, there are certain hotels that are run better than others of more interest. But generally speaking, they're looking for independent owner-run establishments. They're looking for um, good food, which isn't overpriced. Um, and I think, you know, the sense of value is something that our followers have a, a great deal of. They, they understand the difference between um, cost and value. And they're prepared to pay for things which are, which they deem to be uh, good value, um, but they don't want to be ripped off either on things which are, are fashionable but not necessarily really good. And so, I, you know, I think that the kind of followers that we have, but it's broadened uh, in the sense that as, as you know, as younger people have come on and as times have changed, I think we've got you know a, a much broader range of places, particularly in uh, the restaurant side. Um, much more of the middle market that wasn't there. And I think back to um, the, the early guides, I think Isaacs in Cork was one of the first restaurants that saw the need to be middle market quality. And if you think, you look, think of places all over the country now, you know, there isn't a town really that hasn't got somewhere that's in that kind of niche. And it, it's your good neighborhood restaurant. And so, yes, you know, it has changed a lot. And I, I, I take my hat off to the people in the early days who saw this kind of change coming, that, that we needed more middle market quality. And the sourcing of ingredients, um, because I love to go into a restaurant and see that the pork is sourced from the, the local pig farm, that the leaves were grown by such and such a grower, um, that the, the strawberries obviously in Wexford at a certain time of the year are from a certain grower. Why do more establishments not do that? It's very sad too, because I think even a lot of the places where they're, they're internally passionate about doing everything correctly and you know the chef is all fired up with his local produce or her local produce and who knows all of the producers in the locality and so on they don't think and I, th I think this is something to do with marketing in general in, in hospitality don't think about the next stage of actually passing that information on to the customer and obviously it's of great interest to the customer and more and more so I mean particularly at the end of the pandemic you know we've done so much in terms of during the pandemic, I think a lot more people came, this is something that really has changed, that more people came into the fold of, of appreciating uh, uh, organic and uh, small producers uh, and were willing to pay and were going to the markets and so on. So I think that introduced a whole new wave of, of educated uh, customers. And I I, I'm not sure that enough uh, restaurants and hotels are actually uh, tapping into that and, and giving that information 
to the customers who are really hungry for it. And sadly, I, 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 you probably know, well, you do know, because you talked to me about it many times. Um, I was very involved with the Just Ask campaign that uh, Bob Beer did. Now, unfortunately, they stopped that, and they stopped it just before the pandemic. And I think it's a great pity, because I think it was there each month we selected an establishment that was doing that really well and that was conveying all of that information about their pride in place, their, their, uh, all of the producers that they were using and that they were conveying this to uh, a, you know, a knowledge-hungry customer. And I think it's a terrible shame that that has been stopped. And I'm actually going to try and persuade them to see if they could start it again, because now we've got a gap. And we're changing over into a, a, a new time again now that the pandemic is, is easing off. And even though there are great uh, financial constraints on establishments, we are going back into some sort of normality. And I think there is a real danger that not nearly enough people are going to be um, connecting with customers in that way. And if you think from the point of view of a visitor from abroad, you know, giving that kind of information not only on the menu, but in other ways as well. I mean, uh, I, there is a hotel, I think, or particularly uh, in the north, the Culloden. Uh, they have, uh, they have, you know, they've got little booklets in the rooms. Um, they do, uh, you know, they've got little uh, stands on, on the breakfast table saying who supplies everything. Everything on the buffet is all beautifully labelled and everything. Exactly, not just generally, this comes from whatever, port or whatever. But, you know, specifically, the, the name of the farmer, and I just think that's absolutely lovely. And, you know, I know it's a bit of work, but it's also, it's extremely rewarding work. And I really do feel that, that there would be a lot of benefit, uh, both for the host business and for the customer, you know, to, to bear that in mind. And it's great marketing. Yeah, the Culloden is part of the Hastings Group. And I've seen that in one of their hotels. They have the booklet and there's a picture of... Brian Boggs from Clandy Boy Yogurt and a bit of the story. And obviously the breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I think it's the the easiest meal to please everybody with because like there's there's going to be something that everybody likes. And obviously that was our focus in Wexford last week. And I was hugely impressed by the buffet that Anthony and the team laid on there. Um, all those amazing products that come from the region and I know Anthony's agenda then is to try and get them to talk more about that. Yes, and th that was a wonderful thing. And Johnstown Castle was a fabulous venue. Uh, absolutely lovely. I think everybody was bowled over. But the, um, the sense of um, sharing knowledge at an event like that as well was wonderful and um, Anthony and the team putting on such a, a fantastic uh, buffet spread uh, generated a huge amount of very positive uh, exchanges and I think alerted people to a lot of um, the products that weren't so well known in the region you know we all know about uh, you know the, the, the main there would be three or four, four main producers who would you know be on most menus uh, at the uh, amongst the quality uh, establishments and that's absolutely wonderful and you think you know Pat O'Neill's bacon and things like that you know they, they there would be three or four that would you know that would, would rise to the surface all the time but it's really nice uh, to bring in some of the smaller or the emerging ones and uh, you know to see them all together what great spread now obviously uh, you know, even in a big hotel you couldn't have a spread like that on every morning uh, but it was really inspiring it was wonderful yeah, absolutely. And um, 
you know, I know you used to do awards specifically for breakfast, which were amazing awards and really brought out and highlighted those different establishments around Ireland that were putting an emphasis on the breakfast because like it is the last tea, you, you know, it leaves yeah. a lasting taste in your mouth as you depart that yes. particular accommodation provider. So to me, it's always been crazy that they didn't make a bit more effort. And I know a lot of people might argue, well, you know, there's a cost associated with Sharon. Um, I was in the Imperial Hotel this week with Ali. Oh, yes, yes. Was one of the chefs on the, the panel last week. And she put on an amazing breakfast. And, yes. you know, it doesn't have to be the buffet all the time. It can be the made-to-order, which I, yeah. I presume generates less waste then. Yes, but I do think that I think some kind of a buffet is interesting to people. I think people like to have a poke around and see, you know, what they feel like having. And it doesn't have to be huge. And I, I really like the idea of changing it a bit all the time, so that but particularly if you've got people staying for several nights, that there's a bit of change uh, but of course the buffet was really a casualty of the pandemic and it was a, a lot of people missed it so it's nice to see that it, it is coming back and that i think that and you know a nice balance between a, an interesting buffet and cook to order is really what everybody needs but you're right about it being the last meal and so on you know you're faced with the bill shortly after and it, the bill will definitely seem like you know it won't seem so bad <laughs> you know if you've just had a really good breakfast and you say there's a cost but it's the difference between cost and investment mm. i mean i would see it very much as investment and i think you know if uh, if if people uh, i think the difficulty here is in hotels I think where there's a, a bean counter in the background uh, who is trying to strip out all of the things the chef would love to add, uh, that that can be a problem. And it, you need to get those sort of people on side to see that it, it may not be an immediate return, but there will be a return by the word of mouth uh, work that people will do for you, uh, bring more customers. And uh, then, uh, you know, the fact that just having happy guests uh, makes a huge difference. These things are not quantifiable immediately, but in the long run, uh, a business will benefit tremendously from that. Absolutely. And let's talk about your awards before we, we finish up, because you announced the, the winners of the Georgina Campbell's awards there just before Christmas. And it's always very interesting to see some of the places that we know in it, but equally then, it's always lovely to find out a bit about new places. And I suppose the, the first one to start with is the Hotel of the Year, which you awarded to Cashel Palace in Tipperary. Yeah, so this is, I mean, in a way, it's a very obvious one. We try very hard, first of all, to spread our awards all over the country and also to get a good mix of established places or well-known places and some you know that might not normally come into awards and you know might really benefit from a boost so we try to get fans and also the awards are nominated by our assessment team and so that you know they come in from independent assessment and we got very strong support from our team uh, and, and also you know a few um outrunners, if you like, you know, people who are not core team, uh, but are, you know, regular uh, contributors in one way or another. And th the praise for Cashel Palace was universal. And one of the things I think that people like particularly is the way that the uh, the conservation aspect of it has be, has tied in so beautifully uh, with the modernization so that you've got a hotel which is very respectfully conserved and, and, and has been beautifully done in the sense of 
the traditional uh, conservation, but also then you've got things like you know a very modern spa, and of course tying into the to the lovely pub next door, which again is a is a lovely combination of new and old. So I think you know it it really it, I think it sums up modern Ireland. It's uh, you know it's just what we want, and although it's expensive, you know it it's not uh, it's not unreasonable, and there are like a lot of the very expensive places, uh, you know, there are times when you can, you, when you can get uh, what you would regard as a, as a budget, as a, as a bargain you know, in terms of five star. So no, I, I think it was lovely. And of course, it's got this wonderful management. Uh, the, um, uh, the, the whole team is really held together very beautifully. And there's that feeling of everybody working together. And I think, you know, it's, it's really nice. Yeah, and sadly now I haven't had an opportunity to visit, but it's definitely on the list um, for 2023. Moving to Northern Ireland then, because there is, there is a couple of Northern Ireland places in the awards. And one of the places that I was in just before Christmas was Waterman House, and that's Niall McKenna. And you gave the Movers and Shakers Award to Niall. He's some man now, I have to say. Oh, he's amazing. And we, I think he is so dedicated uh, to doing the right thing by Belfast. You know, he wants people to feel good about Belfast and Belfast food. And everything that he does with his restaurants, uh, his cookery school, and now, you know, this cathedral quarter, Waterman House uh, developments he has, it's all, it's, you know, it's all beyond thinking about his business. It's a much bigger thing. And I really love that. And the, the cookery school, of course, tying in with the restaurants, you know, he's had this wonderful scheme, the training scheme, uh, going for years. And, uh, you know, I, I love that too, that he's introducing people to uh, the industry uh, through a very, a very well-considered uh, approach. And he's getting people who are really keen and he's making sure that he's launching them into careers which are really well-prepared. So I think, you know, from every point of view, uh, he, he's a wonderful man, he and, and his wife Joanne, um, and their team, you know, they're a wonderful team and they're, what they're doing for Belfast is really terrific. And for that region then as well, that part of Belfast, because I can remember being at, at Queen's in the 90s and I must have phoned home because obviously there's no mobile phones and being my father saying to me to bring my sister um, and myself down to this place in the cathedral quarter that his friend, his good friend Frank McGreevy worked for Guinness at the time, that there was some sort of an opening or something. They obviously needed bodies. Of course, my sister and I were more than happy to go to get fed and, <laughs> and to get a few drinks. And there was only really two things there at the time, the Duke of York pub, which is still yes. there, and Nick's Warehouse. Yes. I had a lovely yes. conversation with Niall about Nick's warehouse when Oh yes. Like he was he was definitely ahead of his time opening up down there. Absolutely. And I must say I was very sad when Nick's closed. Uh you know, even though there are so many places in Belfast now and it's it's really hopping. I mean it's it's a brilliant city and it's people like Niall um who have who have brought it on. Um but yeah, I think you know, Nick's was very definitely ahead of its time. It was a bit like I was saying about Isaacs in Cork. It was the same kind of vision um, to bring a, affordable quality um, to the market and, and fun. You know, so it, yes, I, I think it, it it definitely was. You know, the start of something big. <laughs> and it's a really buzzy area now. It's lovely to to see that in the city of Belfast. Um, if we move now to the North Antrim coast, which is an area that 
I kind of would have been reared on in the in the summer times coming from Ballymena, and I haven't hadn't heard of this place that you gave an award to, but I just, and I just love the name of it, Native Seafood and Scran. Scran is a word I haven't heard in a long time, and I just love it. It's an amazing place. Uh, again, it comes down to the people as always, and it's it's right on the beach. You know, it couldn't be nearer the sea. Uh, it's it's very much a holistic restaurant uh, where everything is to do with things being sustainable. Um, they started off uh, wanting to uh, have a restaurant in uh, Coleraine at the old yacht club, and then the pandemic came along and the, the building work stopped and everything. So, uh, but although they are actually planning. Uh, to go ahead with that, uh, the new restaurant, which is due to open almost immediately, I think. And um, yeah, it's it the sustainability thing is wonderful because you know people really relate to that. They they eventually they, they worked out that they were that they had it jointly as a a restaurant and takeaway, of course, because of the pandemic, um, and a, a fish shop as well. So it, it's a very interesting kind of a thing, and you know was really very well received uh, by customers and will be as, as an ongoing thing. So it's, it's great. I think it's great for the North Coast of things. They all seem to have something interesting going on up there. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, you know, like I'm, I'm gone from Northern Ireland 17 years and whenever I go back up to visit friends and family, it's just amazing to see the the great places that, that are there now. So much to do and so many fantastic places to dine in as well. So it makes me feel very proud to be from the north, I have to say. Yes, yes. But as I am in Limerick now, I, I wanted to give a shout out then to the Small Stay Award guest house, which you gave to Bedford Townhouse and Cafe in Limerick City. Yes, well, this one is interesting too, because um, again, it, you know, it, it's a kind of multi business, which is really nice. So you can stay in the guest house and uh, you can eat in the cafe if you want to. But of course, if you want to go out, you're right in the middle of the city. Uh, you know, I mean, it's so well placed. Uh, it's an absolutely fabulous location but for anybody sort of coming down on the train and, and, and you know, being based in the city centre and walking everywhere, you couldn't be better. Actually, this is one of the things I really love about Limerick. You know, it is such a walkable city um, and it's got that, you know, that grid uh, layout uh, that eventually you know, moved all over the world, but that's where it all started in Limerick. And, you know, it's so easy to find your way around and it, it's it's a great walking city. And I think that's one of the really nice things about Bedford. Yeah, you could stay in lots of places in Limerick and say the same. Uh, but there it is, you know, it, it, it's it's right beside everything, at the riverside and everything. And uh, it's, a, it's a great place. And again, it's, it's the hands-on ownership, the, the genuine hospitality. You know, people really care. And it's very good value. And I think that's something to highlight about Limerick in itself. It can be a bit overlooked as a destination, but anybody that does say, okay, we're going to go to Limerick, they always go away saying it's such great value, that there is yes. lots to do and it's great value for money. Yes, and you know, the and the culture. You know, there is so much of cultural in, interest uh, to visit in Limerick and so much of it is free. Uh, you know, you really could, I, I agree with you, I think it does tend to be overlooked as, as a, a destination, it's a great shame. And also, I mean, moving away from people who are on foot, uh, you know, West Limerick is absolutely stunning destination, a bit like West Waterford was uh, overlooked for so long, uh, until the Greenway came along, really. 
I think the same is true of West Limerick. And you look at the wonderful places and the wonderful ambience that there is uh, in West Limerick. It's, it's a fantastic area. And I, I definitely think that people should put Limerick on, on their to-do list to visit this year. Well, I definitely second that. Um, in the meantime, now Valentine's Day is coming up, Mother's Day is coming up. People might be celebrating anniversaries or birthdays. And I think the glove box Bible that you do is just perfect for that. It's the perfect gift. So where can people get their hands on it? Ah, oh, well, they can get it. Um, most good bookshops, uh, I think, is, is the answer, the traditional answer to that. Um, it can be ordered anyway from any any bookshop. Um, I, what the stocks are like post-Christmas, I don't know, but it, it could definitely be got in very quickly. It is uh, distributed by Guild Books. And it, so, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to get from Dublin. And also, of course, get it online from us. That's island-guide.com. And uh, it goes out very quickly and very efficient. Fantastic. Georgina, thanks so much for talking to me today and continued success. Thank you very much indeed, Sharon. It's been a pleasure. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!